0: R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio R E A Audio R E A Audio R E A Audio 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 Audio. R E A Audio Reemployability
1: Reemployability October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we'd like to help bring attention to this issue that affects one in four women nationally and one in three women globally. At Reemployability, we're donating a percent of every referral processed in the month of October to The Spring, a domestic violence shelter and nonprofit that provides services in Tampa, Florida. Over the next four weeks, REA Audio will feature aspects of this issue and how places like The Spring become a refuge for survivors and empower those affected by domestic violence to find a way out. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please Google your state name in the words Domestic Violence Coalition for resources similar to The Spring near you. Mindy, thank you so much for taking time to sit down and talk with us on REA Audio about The Spring. Now you are the president and CEO. Can you tell us a little bit about how first you got involved with The Spring? How did you get to where you are right now?
0: Uh, Sure, Todd, and I'm happy to be uh, with you all today. My background, uh, my entire adult career has been in the nonprofit sector, uh, both on the uh, the donor and board of directors and volunteer side, as well as on a staff side. And for many years, I worked uh, in the child welfare uh, arena, working with, uh, with uh, families uh, impacted by uh, child abuse and neglect and trying to change outcomes for families in the Tampa community. Uh, I also did a lot of volunteer work through Junior League and some other organizations, uh, including uh, Hillsborough Kids, which oversaw the child welfare system. So in 2012, uh, the spring came knocking on my door and asked if I would be interested in becoming the CEO. And my first answer right away was no, because I'd been out of the um, staff side for, gosh, about a decade while I was raising my child, and I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, And I went to bed that night, and in the middle of the night, dreamed about how this was my dream job, because it was marrying my love of helping kids with empowering women um, and supporting moms, because we know that children have the best outcomes if they have a a protective uh, parent who has the capacity um, and support to be the most effective parent they can be. And this was the marriage of those two things. And the next morning, I sheepishly picked up the phone, called and said, hey, I'd like to be reconsidered. And they interviewed me and miraculously hired me. And it's been nine and a half years that I've been
1: here. That's terrific. So the reason why we're talking to you and talking about the spring and and because this is uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And so we've scheduled a series of podcasts to talk about domestic violence, to bring awareness and Uh, so that people are aware of other shelters similar to the spring and other Mm -hmm. services similar to the spring across the country. So we are in Tampa, Florida. Uh, The spring, as you mentioned, is one of several uh, facilities similar to this in the Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay area. Um, But if just to kick things off, and I want to remind people throughout uh, the next few weeks how to get in touch with a facility similar to this and a service similar to this across the country, uh, where would people go?
0: Yeah, so if you are in any state there is a statewide domestic violence coalition for each state so if you google the words wisconsin domestic violence center california domestic violence center you know oregon domestic violence center uh or or domestic violence coalition um probably the coalition if you type coalition in is going to pop up and each state coalition should have um, a directory of all of the domestic violence centers around the state so you can find the one in your community. So if you live in Tacoma, Washington, and you Google the Washington Coalition, it should tell you the domestic violence center that serves the Tacoma area. It's really easy to find domestic violence centers. The state of Florida has 41 certified domestic violence centers. Uh, and as you mentioned, in the Tampa Bay area, uh, which is about a six or seven county region, there are uh, 12, I think, uh, certified domestic violence centers just in our region, but again, 41 in our state. And most states have multiple DV centers serving um, throughout the state to make sure that a survivor in any part of the community uh, can get access to free resources that they need for themselves and for their kids.
1: We just took a tour uh, mm-hmm. of the facility here and I'm so glad that you did that for me because it really put a lot of things in context. Yeah. Um, uh, We're gonna talk about this in a few minutes. I would say that I don't believe I know anyone who's ever been a a survivor or a victim, Um, but that's probably not true based on some of the things we talked about. Tell us what The Spring does. What are you all about?
0: Right, so I mean, we are survivor-focused, empowerment-based at our heart, uh, and we're about Creating safety for survivors. So all of our services are 100% focused on helping survivors of domestic violence um, and their children uh, become safer, uh, be regain, um, you know, a sense of uh, their ability uh, to uh, direct their own life that has often been taken away from them by uh, by their abusive partners uh, and connect them to resources that they need so that they can become you know self-sufficient independent thriving uh, you know uh, individuals and families uh, moving forward. So uh, since 1977 we've existed to provide uh, supportive services and safety services uh, to survivors and their kids, which include emergency shelter, um, outreach services, a 12-unit uh, transitional housing apartment complex. Uh, we have a, an on-site uh, public elementary school for the kids in shelter. We have a nine-person legal team that provides free uh, legal representation to survivors for injunctions and dependency matters. Uh, We have prevention um, staff who work in the schools and work with young people talking about healthy relationships. So uh, partnerships with uh, local law enforcement to uh, provide extra support to really high risk um, cases where we're really concerned that the survivor is gonna be murdered by her partner if if law enforcement and social services don't intervene. Uh, So really everything is geared towards providing support to survivors, but it is survivor directed. So we're not telling the survivor what to do and how to do it because that's what their abuser does we are coming alongside them and saying how can we help what do you need to be safer what do you need to get out of that relationship if that's what you're trying to do Um, what what skills do you need what resources do you need for your future
1: I I mentioned just a few minutes ago that I don't believe I've ever known anyone who has been in need. how how do people identify folks that, that may be in need of services like this?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's always good to know the local resource that you have, because that's an easy thing to mention to somebody in kind of a casual conversation. Hey, there's this service that's free. Um, but the reality is, you know, you do, I guarantee you, you know, somebody who's been a victim of domestic violence, um, you know, either currently or in their past. And it's about making yourself someone safe to have that conversation with in our country. Unfortunately, and around the world, we still put all the responsibility on the victim survivor, and we blame the survivor for for the you know for the actions of the batterer instead of holding the batterer accountable. And because we are a victim blaming culture, um, victims and survivors are very reluctant to talk about this until you make yourself safe. So it is about. Having conversations with friends and family, you know, um, posting, you know, on your social media, supporting the domestic violence center, letting people know that you're not um, someone who's going to blame them if they happen to be uh, being victimized, um, that you're going to actually listen and believe and support them. I mean, I, I, I um, sexual assault is kind of one of my best analogies. It's the only crime that I can think of where. Um, you know there's all kinds of data that says at least um, at least 90 percent of the time and as high as 97 percent of the time when somebody alleges that they've been a victim of sexual assault or rape they are telling the truth. That's been proven by long-term studies um, by universities uh, and yet probably only 10 percent of the time are we as a society choosing to believe when somebody reports you know a sexual assault. So 90 percent of the time at minimum they're telling the truth and yet you know, 90% of the time we're, we're disbelieving. So you've got to start by believing people when they disclose. You know, nobody wants to disclose something like that. Um, and and making yourself a safe person to talk to.
1: What are some of the warning signs? I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious if you know somebody who has marks right. on their face, but, but that doesn't always happen that way.
0: Right. And I will tell you, I mean, b- people who batter, uh, are, you know, they are choosing their behavior. So they're choosing where they're going to batter their partner, you know, where they're going to hit their partner. A lot of times they're choosing to hit their partner where, you know, clothes cover those bruises, right? So they're choosing the that, you know, time of day, the whether it's the weekend so that, you know, if she's got a scrape, she recovers. So there's a lot of choice that batterers make. Battering is a choice. Uh, and a lot of that choice is designed to hide what's going on behind those closed doors because batterers are very manipulative and they want people um, to think that they're, you know, a great human being that they're a great guy um and so uh you know the the signs of battering are often not visible um emotional abuse psychological abuse doesn't have visible scars but You certainly will know that somebody is potentially in an unsafe relationship if they're a friend or a family member and all of a sudden you're, um, they're being isolated from you and what, you know, you you all used to get together for, um, you know, dinner once, uh, you know, every two weeks or once a month and now you haven't seen them in six months. So partners who um, start dating and then isolate and say, hey, you, you know, you don't need to spend time with, with your family, you don't need to spend time with your friends, you just need to spend time with me. That is a huge warning sign. Um, if you see uh, a partner in a relationship uh, displaying signs of jealousy, you know, maybe a teeny tiny bit of jealousy is okay, but jealousy is not a sign of love, it's a sign of control. Um, So if somebody's talking about how, you know, their partner gets so um, upset when they're talking to another guy um, or, you know, their partner has told them what they, you know, what they're supposed to wear when they're out because he doesn't want anyone, you know, he wants them to be modest in front of others. um, All of those things are warning signs. Um, If, uh, you know, if somebody at work, um, uh, you know, is sitting at their desk and every time somebody comes up behind them, they start flinching, um, that, that could be a warning sign. So, uh, you know, if you know somebody and uh, and the relationship has moved really fast, right, that pushing for a quick relationship, that lightning fast, like, you know, zero to 60, I started dating the guy last week and now he wants to move in and marry me, that's a warning sign, right? Nobody should want to hop into a relationship mm-hmm. that fast.
1: So as a friend, I make myself available, <laughs> yeah. I let people know that I'm that I'm going to believe them, right, that I'm an advocate. Um, Are there ways to approach people that make you more safe, that that don't endanger folks that may be in this situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you never want to do something that um, calls attention in a public way. So it can be incredibly dangerous. Um, You know, there's a reason that domestic violence is not mandated, right, as mandated reporting like child abuse, because um, calling attention to the behavior um, in a public way can escalate the violence behind closed doors. So, you know, calling law enforcement on, um, on uh, unexpectedly on, um, you know, something that you think might be going on, sometimes it saves someone's life, but sometimes it can actually increase the danger for that survivor because she's going to bear the brunt of, of that um, law enforcement coming out. He's going to blame her. Uh, so I think it is... You know again you start with belief you make yourself um, a safe person to talk to you maybe kind of plant gentle seeds like hey you know last year i did a drive for the child or for the the spring of tampa bay the domestic violence center that was really cool there's this great organization provides free services to survivors you're just conversationally talking you don't even necessarily say i think you need these services you're just making them aware that there is a resource available that and then you stop and you let them You know, maybe a week later they ask the next question. Um, The other thing that's important is you need to let survivors know it is not their fault, right? Their batterer spends every day telling them that it's their fault that they're being abused, um, that they cooked dinner wrong, that they didn't, um, you know, iron the clothes right, that the house isn't clean enough, you know, on and on and on every day constantly being told how you failed and that that all of this is your fault and over time it becomes something that you begin to believe not because you were weak-willed or you know lacking in self-esteem at the beginning of the relationship but if you've got somebody um you know who's entrapped you um and you're living together and maybe you have a kid in common at this point and every day he's telling you everything you're doing wrong eventually it becomes hard not to internalize that Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, if you don't mind kind of interested to learn a little bit about numbers right you mentioned that your people are required to um report uh, child abuse right but not necessarily domestic violence right right? so do we know how this is integrated into our society do we know how many people are actually affected by this
0: um you know one in four the, the 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 United States statistic is one in four women will experience domestic violence in her lifetime. Worldwide, it's one in three women. It has been declared by um, the World Health Organization uh, as a global pandemic about four or five years ago. Um, Domestic violence was, you know, gender-based violence against women specifically was, you know, declared a a global pandemic. So it is rampant, um, and you know, there's the cases that get the attention are the awful, tragic murders. Um, but the kind of, for lack of a better term, the everyday intimate partner violence, the everyday domestic violence, um, we often aren't covering. And, you know, m- the vast majority of survivors are not murdered by their abusive partners, um, but they're sitting at home living lives of quiet desperation thinking that they're the only one. And, you know, our goal is to make sure that they know they're not alone. Um, this experience is not their fault. Uh, There are lots of other people who have experienced the same thing. Um, It's not a failure on their part and we can provide help and safety and supportive services.
1: That's actually a great transition into what I want to talk about next week. Sure. I want to get more into, as you mentioned, um, media and and uh, attention on, on large uh, cases like this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Gabby Petito is in the in the news. Yeah. Um, you've spoken about that uh, because she w- was from the, the Tampa Bay area. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about that next week and social media impact, and maybe some other warning signs with regards to the themselves, Mm -hmm. if there's ways that that we can try to identify and get out um, in front of things ahead. So um, next week, we'll do that. That's all right. All right. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you. Thanks for listening this week to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. Email todd at reemployability.com. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content, including webinars, at listentorea.com. If you or someone you know is in need of help, please Google your state name and the words Domestic Violence Coalition for resources similar to the spring near you. Next week, we'll talk to Mindy about the Gabby Petito case and how it impacts the daily struggles of those living in situations of domestic violence. She'll talk about the impact social media has on the issue and some ways you can talk to your kids about prevention. Thanks again for listening.